0: Hi, this is Katie Gamble, and um, we're here for this series we've been doing where we've been interviewing candidates. And uh, this is just another episode of Clarksville's Conversation. Uh, Today it's me and my buddy Charlie and my other friend Chris Smith. And Chris, do you want to introduce our guest today?
1: Yeah, um, today with us is Representative Jason Hodges. Um, He's finishing his first term as a um, member of the Tennessee House of Representatives. Um, he's a Democrat uh, running on the ticket, and he previously served as a Montgomery County Commissioner. So welcome, Jason, and thank you for joining
2: us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Well, thank, Jason, thanks for being here, and uh, we, we do appreciate your time. Let's kick it off, start, let's talk about education, uh, see where you stand on school vouchers and other uh, reform ideas. Yeah, so, so I'm, uh, I, I oppose vouchers. I voted against them. Um, you know, the, the problem with vouchers is it, it takes money directly out of our public school systems and sends them to private schools. And you'll hear the term uh, parent choice, um, but, but it's not really parent choice when when they give you uh, basically a $7,500 check to a low-income family and tell them they can go to any school they want. Um, private school is generally far more expensive than $7,500. So that'll leave the low-income kids in the the, the public school that now has less money, um, and leaves others to be able to, uh, whose parents can afford to put in a little money to that that private school. Um, it allows them to leave public school, uh, which which again really really hurts our public school system and, and uh, doesn't give every kid a, an equal chance at an education. Are there sure. any other uh, education reform ideas out there that you can speak to? You know, I'll talk about something that I've been working on and still working on, and and we've actually kind of built a bipartisan caucus, an urban caucus on this, and that is fast-growing communities like Clarksville is a prime example, right? We're growing at such a fast rate that we have to build a school almost every two years to really keep up with the population. And so our growth is a benefit to the state of Tennessee, and so what we're asking the state of Tennessee to do is help those high-growth communities build those schools because we can't keep putting this growth on, on our property taxpayers, And, and, you know, we kind of force our County commission to increase property taxes every, every two, three years. And having served on the County commission, I know what that's like. Um, but you've got it, you've got to build these schools and they cost a lot of money. You know, you're talking about an elementary school costing $25 million, a high school costing, you know, up to $70 million. That money's got to come from somewhere. And, um, Again, you know, the, the, the state really benefits off sales taxes that, that uh, in our growth. So um, we're just asking the state to give back and help us uh, uh, keep that growth positive.
0: Jason, I know I really don't know where we are on this right now, so it may be nowhere and that might be the answer. But I know that you were really instrumental on pushing to change the grading scale. Where are we on that? Yes. Like from a seven point to a 10 point?
2: Yes, ma'am. So, so we passed all the way passed subcommittee and then passed through education committee and then COVID hit. And so what happened is, yeah, the Senate said we're not hearing any bills that aren't COVID related um and that bill got got squashed for the year um i have every intention of bringing that bill back and for those who don't know what that bill is is right now we're on kind of a a very weird unique grading scale system for for high school students where a 93 to 100 is an a and 85 to 92 is a b uh so on and so forth and what we're trying to do is you know it's it's a disadvantage to our students because every state around us is on a 10-point grading scale, where a 90 to 100 is an A, and 80 to an 89 is a B, so on and so forth. And so what happens is, for instance, I had a family, a military family. My father had just gotten back from Afghanistan. They, they moved from North Carolina to, to here. He gets stationed here. Uh, son goes to school. He's a senior. He starts school here, and his GPA just dramatically drops. Um, and actually, he was going to lose his scholarship eligibility. So even though his father just got back from Afghanistan, hadn't gotten to see his kid in over a year, um, the, the wife uh, or the mother of the child and the child moved back to an apartment in North Carolina just so they could finish school and he can maintain that GPA that he had earned on a 10-point grading scale while he's in North Carolina. We need to make sure that's not happening to our kids. Uh, it hurts our kids with scholarship opportunities and everything else, and, and hopefully we'll be able to correct that next session.
0: Well, I hope so. I'm all for that. Um, So talk to us a little bit about where you stand on Medicaid expansion, and then what are some of your ideas for affordable health care?
2: Yes, so I was a sponsor of Medicaid expansion my first year in office, Um, my second year. Uh, I actually passed my bill to a Republican prime sponsor and became the co-sponsor just because uh, the Republicans are the supermajority in, in the House of Representatives, in the Tennessee House of Representatives. And, you know, a, a bill like that, especially a big bill like that, always has a better chance of, of passing. Um, we right now are, are actually having meetings, uh, a, a bipartisan group um, of, of several legislators that are, are trying to push it again, and, and we're really building steam. We've added members. Um, the, the bottom line is we've lost seven billion dollars uh, from the federal government out of this. Uh, the federal government, just, so just so you know how Medicaid expansion works, so the federal government was going to cover ninety percent. The the state was on the hook for ten percent, but. The hospital association was in a cover. We, Governor Haslam had actually negotiated uh, a deal that the hospital association would cover our 10% for good. So all, we, we weren't going to pay a penny for this. We've lost $7 billion. Um, the, the biggest uh, argument has been um, from people that oppose it is, well, you know, what if what if the federal government stops the program? Um, and, and my response to that is the, the federal government to this day has never missed a Medicaid payment. There's no reason we should think they would. And, and even under some hypo, the hypothetical situation where they do, um, I would say that uh, having insurance for a little time is better than not having it at all. And I can tell you as a legislator, I'm, I'm given health care uh, from the state. Um, I can accept that or not accept it. I, of course, accept it, knowing that every two years I could lose that because there's there's no guarantee that I'm going to be reelected. So I'm still going to take it, though. That's two years that I have insurance. My family has insurance that, that uh, we otherwise may not. Um, so so, you know, I think that's kind of a, uh, a silly argument. And hopefully we can uh, in a bipartisan way get Medicaid expansion passed.
1: So um sticking a little bit with uh healthcare um what do you think about Tennessee's response to the coronavirus pandemic um, how do you feel we've done and, and what do you think maybe we should do differently
2: Yeah you know I think obviously any time this is this is the first time in my lifetime um in and, and I would say in in pretty much everybody that's in government's lifetime that that they're dealing with a pandemic so so a lot of mistakes were made, you know, when do you, you shut everything down? When do you open everything up? Um, and, and those are, those are tough decisions to make. So I, I don't want to be too hard on the governor here because at the end of the day, uh, this was the first time for everybody. Right. Um, I, I do have some issues with, with the, the no bid contracts that we gave out, you know um, uh, when we're giving millions and millions of dollars out without bidding, what we found is, is that we were paying um, entirely too much for supplies. And I think we have to do better with that. Um, but, you know, we, we just need to uh, uh, make sure we learn from this and, and have a future plan for, for future leaders um, when it comes to this. But if you don't mind, I'd actually like to go back to healthcare and talk about one more thing, because I know we kind of discussed uh, things, other things that we can do. And I had an insulin bill um, that that would have mandated that that pharmaceutical companies can't charge over one hundred dollars. For insulin, and what brought this on is basically it—it it takes from manufacturer to end seller. It costs about seven dollars for for companies to get the insulin to the you know to uh to Walgreens. So so when you think they manufacture it, they ship it, and Walgreens sells it, that that costs about seven dollars. Yet they're they're now charging about three hundred up to three hundred fifty dollars for for different types of insulin. And so they're they're price gouging the citizens, right? We know this, and we've got to put a stop to it. Um, And you know, I I know a lot of people talk about free market concerns there, but what I'd like to say about that is there's a different point in need and a want. And I I talked about this during committee. Um, You know, when we want something, a, a TV. Um, free market works absolutely tremendous. It's why big screens are, or you can buy a 70 inch big screen for $400 now, right? Because we don't need that TV. So companies know, they better reduce that price to make me want to purchase that TV. Um, That same thing can't be said for a need. And so the example I gave during committee was, if I've got this bottle of water right here, and I tried to sell it to you for $500, you'd laugh at me. But if we were in a desert and you were dehydrating on, on the verge of death, and I tried to sell you this bottle of water, you'd give me anything you have for it. And so that's the problem with, with pharmaceutical companies. They know that, and they're doing exactly that. They are just taking advantage of the consumer. And we don't allow this during natural disasters. We wouldn't allow a company to sell a bottle of water for $200 because they, they know people don't have clean drinking water. We shouldn't allow pharmaceutical companies to do it.
1: But, um, Jason, couldn't that same argument be extended to essentially any drug that is, you know, of a life-saving nature? Or, um, why stop with insulin or, or why, why focus on insulin when there's so, a, lot, a whole lot of other drugs that
2: you sure. that could be applied to? Yeah, and, and I agree with you, Chris. It should be. Um, but, but insulin right now is just a, a – uh, they really have a hold on the market, and they've, they've really – their costs have shot up. Um, you know, by just outrageous costs in the last ten years, um, you know, it, it wasn't too long ago that you could buy a vial of insulin for twelve bucks on the market, um, and then twenty years later, we're three hundred fifty dollars because they have no more competition. There's three manufacturers, and and they all uh, their prices all jump at the same time. So we can assume they're they're probably working together, and so yeah, I, I would say we uh, should definitely look at other other pharmaceutical. Uh, uh, companies in the future and uh, what they're manufacturing Um, but insulin is a is a huge need in the state of Tennessee diabetes is a is you know a huge risk in Tennessee Um, and so that that was one that we wanted to address uh, first and and that did pass through subcommittee and again uh, COVID hit Mm -hmm. so you know it, it got put on hold by the Senate
1: why Tennessee with a bill like that? It seems like the kind of legislation that might be better or more appropriate to address at the national level. Um, what's the argument for Tennessee kind of jumping into this issue?
2: Sure. Well, a lot of states are jumping into this issue because, you know, the federal government. Um, is is just hard to depend on to pass anything. They're they're busy arguing with each other all day long and um, uh, we see very little get done. So um, I I think that the states need to step in at this point and um, take care of their citizens.
0: So Jason, in closing, are there any other issues that you feel like the voters should keep in mind before they go to the ballots?
2: Yeah, one big one that I'm passionate about is wages, right? And so, so as a state, we incentivize all these industries to come to Tennessee, um, and we essentially, we, we pay them millions of dollars. And then they get here, um, and they pay their employees $10, $11 now. They pay their employees such a low wage that after 40 hours of, of working, their employees have to go home and, again, be subsidized by the government because they, they don't make enough money. So we're we're essentially incentivizing this, this industry twice, and so we need to be smart about who we're recruiting, and we need to make sure that that the wages are are uh, worth bringing this company to Tennessee for. Um, what we don't need to do is incentivize a company millions of dollars to come here to pay ten bucks an hour to our employees.
1: Yeah, are there I agree particular that. businesses that um that kind of stand out as examples of that?
2: Yeah, I think that you can look at a couple of businesses that that have uh, come right here to Clarksville. We have a couple of factories uh, right here in Clarksville that we've incentivized millions of dollars to, and and we see um, much lower wages than than they said they were going to pay. Hmm.
0: Interesting. Well, this is very interesting, and I can tell you've been very very busy. And yes, ma'am. Uh, yeah. I want to thank you for, um, you know, being a voice for Clarksville, Montgomery County at the state level, because I know that's not an easy job. No matter what decision you make, there's always going to be somebody who doesn't agree with you, huh?
2: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah.
0: So I just want to tell you, keep fighting the good fight and keep fighting for Clarksville, Montgomery County. And thank you for serving for us. And thank you for joining us today.
2: And yeah, well, thank you, I, you all for having me.
0: I wish you much luck at the ballots.
2: Thank you so much.
1: Subscribe to Clarksville's Conversation wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss out on a single conversation.